So we're going to be launching into a new season in the life of the church. Um, last year, we were going on the theme of victory, which is what LifePoint's theme was as well. So David Hall spied on our website and copied us. But uh, the thing that, that I really find most exciting about the, the theme of victory is, is we've got to learn to live in the, the glory of victories. So I said in the earlier service that there's a lot of Christians who get around always in warfare. They're always like, Jaja! always want to fight. And you be careful if they come to church without their shoes on because they might kung fu you or something. But, but the thing is that there is a place for warfare. I'm going to talk about that as we go today. But there's sometimes where people live in this constant battle of, of fighting spiritual things all the time. And when, they, when there's nothing to fight, then they start to fight each other. So we start to have brawls in the church. We, we don't need that. It's not good. It's not cool. So, but, but what I think we, we need to learn is to enjoy victories. So you don't always live in the war. You don't always live in the battle. You, always, you go from battle to victories. And that's what we want to live in. So I, I hope that you were able to gain some things. So if you, uh, if you want to go back on some of the preaching from last year, um, I, I encourage you to get back on the podcast, have a listen to those things, and apply the victories to your life. So apply the victories and start to say, well, God, I can live in the victory. I can live with the, with the, the good things that, that come from being victorious. So um, we, we are stepping forward beyond that now and launching into a new season. And it's all for the one. It's about, it's for Christianese word evangelism. It's about reaching out the world, reaching out to the world, to those who don't know Jesus. So um, reaching the lost. And it comes from Luke chapter 15, verse 7. It should pop up on the screen right now. All for the one. And it, 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 God sort of showed me this in Luke 15, 7. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. And I just really honed in on that one lost. And we're going to go after that one. And there's always, there's always another one that needs to know Jesus. So uh, today, this is just... Um, uh, a reminder of our purpose as a church. And, and I think it's so amazing that, that the purpose of church can get lost, can get blinded, can get misdirected and miscarried because we just forgot what we're here for. And I want to encourage you, the worship team is here for the one, for the lost. The, the, the prayer team is here for the lost. The, the welcome team is here for the lost. Um, the admin team is here for the lost. So whatever we do, the kids' church, every other area of our church is here because we want to reach the lost. So it's realigning ourselves with the very main purpose of the church because we, we've, we so easily get into the wrong zone in church life when we forget the reason that we're here for. We're here to reach the lost. So um, whatever we do, we do what we do to help people find their way back to Jesus or find their way to Jesus for the first time even. So uh, with that in mind, I, I, I'm just going to do some, some, I guess, foundational things and then, and then I'm going to preach. So this isn't preaching yet. This is just sort of spinning the wheels. But One Heart Church, we exist with four goals in mind. We haven't never made this very plain or clear but we have four distinct goals that I want to share with you this morning before we go on and define those to you so they're clear for all of us because when we understand what our goals are we can celebrate together the same things if we don't know what we're what we're aiming for then we don't know what we when to celebrate we don't know when we're when we're actually winning or not so these are the four keys they're, they're going to pop up on the screen encourage you to take a picture of these and, and remind yourself of them the, the first goal that we have is salvations. 
We just saw Luke 15 verse 7 about going for the lost, the one. So that's, our, that's a goal. We, we, we want to celebrate and enjoy the seasons that we have when we see people come to know Christ. And over the years we've seen many people come to know Christ here in this church and it's always a great and amazing thing to see. The second thing is baptisms in water and the Holy Spirit. So we want to see people baptised as a sign that they are a um, believer of Jesus. And also we want to see that go a, a, a deeper in their spiritual walk by being baptised and filled with the Holy Spirit, having that power from God who, that um, empowers our life to live out the, the call and purpose of God. So we want to see those baptisms. We want to see discipleship. And that's training and developing people in the things of God. We have a Bible college as part of our uh, expression here in the church, but there's also other areas that we want to help disciple and train people. We have life groups. We have uh, uh, special training courses that we can do uh, in the life of the church and encourage people to be a disciple in the life of the church. They're, They're all goals that we want to celebrate. And also, number four is relationships or friendships that build up. Unfortunately, many people in churches have lots of friendship groups and they're based upon because we all dislike the same person. That's not a good foundation in the life of your church. uh, Or you gather people around you who who just uh, uh, reinforce your bad attitudes or or never can confront you on things that that, that will help grow you. So all those scriptures, we're we're not going to go through all this in detail today, but we will at another time. All those scriptures there under relationships all talk about building each other up. And we need people around us who build us up in our faith, build us up in our confidence, build us up in our ministry, in the things of God. So those four things are goals that uh, when we know those goals, then we know what our wins look like. We know when we're winning as a church. We know what we're aiming for. We know when to celebrate. And, um, and we celebrate wins together. So I just wanted to, to clarify those things as we launch into the year so that we have a good foundation together as to where we want to go and what we want to see happen. So uh, tomorrow, as a church, we start our uh, season of prayer and fasting. And it's a great way to start the year. So it's only three days this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and we come together, uh, those who want to come together at 7 p.m. here at the church to pray and to seek after God. And then what we're going to do for the rest of the month of of January is every Wednesday, encourage you to fast, uh, and, and we're going to have prayer meetings every Wednesday night for the month of January. So that's just a foundation there for that, and encourage you to consider uh, joining us in that fast. Now, I know people these days do modern fasts. They say, oh, I'm, I'm fasting my phone, or I'm fa-, you know, no, that, that's all okay if that's what you want to do. But we want to try and, and strengthen ourselves in the things of the Spirit, and denying food uh, is a way that we clarify and clear our mind for what God wants to talk to us about. Now, I know some people might want to do big, long fasts, and that's okay. We don't discourage that. But you know, I just want you to, to consider the power that comes when we fast together, when we have a common goal and a common time where we're saying we want to hear from God and uh, invite him into our situations in our church. So it's a great way to start the year because it sets up a spiritual footing, something strong, a, a strength, that inside of us that, that says, I'm, I'm relying on God, not, not my food. Um, it, it, it also helps develop endurance, a spiritual endurance. So a lot of people are okay you know, in the fight. They have a couple of punches, they're all good, but then they're too tired. And they're like, oh, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. And, and actually, on the way into church this morning, 
I had a feeling, and I didn't say it in the first service, maybe there's someone here today, and you've been saying to yourself, maybe saying to others, I don't know what to do anymore. Well, I've got the answer for you. Start to fast and start to pray. And I felt that really strong where you're just saying, I don't know what to do anymore. You don't need to find a new church. You don't need a new job. You don't need a new house. You don't need a new wife. You need to fast and pray. (laughs) Boom. Because we're praying and fasting to clear the way for the Holy Spirit to speak. We're praying and fasting to clear a way for for God to speak clearly into into our spirits. So... It's for God to do what we can't do. That's why we fast and pray. Fasting takes us into the spiritual world of miracles, for provisions, for healings, for breakthroughs. It releases the prophetic that speaks God's word into everything. And I I want God's word in everything. I don't want to panic about everything. I want God's word in every part of my life. It unleashes the the power of God into where we, we are helpless, where we are powerless. So these are not days to let things go. It's time to ignite the purpose of God in our heart, maybe for the first time for some of us, maybe again for others. But we need to ignite the the passions of God in our spirits again. So fasting clarifies things spiritually, and we hear better and we see better. We hear from God more clearly. So some people think, oh, I fasted and prayed and I did all these things, and now God owes me a deal. No, he doesn't. God doesn't owe you, it doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter whether I cut myself and bleed all over the floor and do all sorts of things and say, God, you've got to notice this. God says, nah. Why we fast and pray is not to, so God owes us anything. It's so we, it clarifies our natural so that we can hear in the spiritual. That's what it's all about. So does that make sense to you this morning? So we don't want to play church. We don't want to play around and, and play church. We are the church that brings positive change to the world, that brings positive change to things around us. And I want to be part of a church like that. So um, I'll, I'll switch to preaching now. I'm going to get into the message now. Is that okay? Let's just pray before we move on. Let's uh, just take a sec. Lord Jesus, I pray that this message this morning may have, may have authority. I pray this morning that this message may clarify things in our spirit, that may define things for the future, that may set things in order in people's hearts and in their lives. So I just pray that and speak that, Lord, in all grace, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 tells us this is a a warfare verse. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. I love the words there that, that Paul uses. They, they have power, divine power, to demolish strongholds. just want to encourage you right now, start to think of some strongholds that need demolishing. Strongholds that need demolishing in Port Lincoln. Strongholds that, that need demolishing in Australia. There are strongholds that, that rail themselves against the purposes and the plans of God. And we need to see those strongholds demolished in Jesus' name. So we, got, we need to make no mistake, the enemy has plans to ruin people. The enemy has plans to ruin lives. And we block those and, and we, we want to see the will and the plans of God into people's lives that help them live their best life. And we can stand in the gap and see those things happen. So I want to introduce something to you. Well, just before I move on with fasting and, and praying, in Daniel 9, chapter 3 and Nehemiah 9, verse 1, um, fasting separated the natural from the spiritual. 
And I want to, I want to tell you, we've got to have a, a healthy separation in our life between the natural and the spiritual because the spiritual is the most important. And, and again, bringing that back to fasting, the, the, the spiritual is more important. So I just want to, to set those things in order. Anyhow, let, let's move on. I did, I'm just getting way too distracted. It's a, it's a sign of 2021. But the presence of God is to enable the purpose of God. So this is probably the most important sentence you're going to hear in my message, and you might have an exam later. But the presence of God is to enable the purpose of God. So it is totally possible that we can live in the proximity of Jesus and have a sanctified, set-apart-for-God life. Sanctified means to be set apart for a special purpose. And I want to tell you, no matter who you are and what you believe or where you've come from, that your life has been set apart for God for a special purpose that only you can fulfill. But you've got to know who you are in God to be able to fulfill that. So um, Mark chapter 6, verse 30 to 32, it says, The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. Now I want to tell you something. The the disciples were sent out by Jesus. He said, you know, go out on a ministry tour, uh, go around all these different places and preach and and, uh, heal people and all that stuff. And the disciples come back saying, this was amazing, it was totally awesome. Even demons were cast out and and we saw people, you know, who were sick being healed. Just amazing, incredible time. And they're all excited. They come back to Jesus. And Jesus' response is, is, okay, that that was awesome, fantastic, guys. Now I want you to come away with me and spend some time with me alone. So what I want you to see this morning in that is Jesus always wants time with you. Jesus always wants time with us. And we need to learn and develop ways in which we allow Jesus that time in our life uh, as often as we can. So they came back with these incredible reports. and, And what Jesus has next is he wants them to take some time out with him. Jesus wants time out with his disciples and he wants time out with you. So we have time out all the time. We have time out without Jesus. We're good at that. It's easy. So a, a lot of time out without Jesus. But what I want us to factor in is time out with Jesus, where we cut out other distractions, other people, other things, other worries, and we say, I'm going to spend some time with you, Jesus. And I think one of the greatest things is when we're in in periods of ministry where we maybe we've been really successful like these disciples were and success can be a real blinder of relationship with God success in ministry you think how can that happen but oftentimes people get so busy in the ministry and then they have huge falls you go how on earth did that ever happen because they got so wrapped in the ministry that they forgot to take time out with Jesus and so they they missed that little point so we have uh, we have time out with Jesus because time, time out with Jesus energizes, it empowers, uh, it, it inspires for what's next. Time out without Jesus focuses on our comfort, our needs, our limitations, and limits faith. So whether you're a leader or not, if you're a believer, you ought to develop strength that comes from time out with Jesus. I, I, I know that it doesn't, you know, doesn't need to cost you a lot. I remember when I wasn't a pastor, when I wasn't a leader, at a time in my life where I needed to know what God wanted from me. And I hired a little caravan at a place called Malang 
in, in the caravan park and stayed down there in Malang in this hired caravan and just you know, took my Bible and, uh, and, and some notepaper and just said, God, I need you to talk to me. I went on long walks and I did things like that and was, was pursuing after time with God, time with Jesus. And I know another time in, in Pauline's life, she won't mind me saying this, where she went to Murray Bridge. I said some bad things about those two places in the first service, so please put this one on the podcast. She went to Murray Bridge and she, she got this cheap little motel, the cheapest motel we could find, and she just went there alone and, and just needed God to speak to her. So she took time alone with Jesus and, and behind the motel was like a turkey yard and, and she'd wake up every morning with the turkeys, however they go. But I know that those times were, were special defining moments in our life. And you don't need to be a leader. You don't need to have any special responsibility in your church to start saying, God, I want, to, I want us to take time out with you. And I know it's an investment in your future because I, I've just got this crazy idea that maybe some of those things in our lives is what brought Pauline and myself to doing what we are today. Because we took time out for Jesus when it didn't seem to make any reason why. Just because we wanted to do it because we needed to have time with him. So hope that makes sense to you. So it develops strength that comes from time with Jesus. So creativity, ideas, things to do and things not to do are clarified, intensified. And I said this in the first service, it's not really good, but it was uh, caramelized or sweetened. Sweetened when we invest ourselves time out with Jesus. Because the presence of God is to enable the purpose of God in your life. So if you want to know the purpose of God, if you're, you're being, you know, struggling with, with you know, your ministries or whatever else that you might be struggling with, then you need to take time out with Jesus. So it, it is it's false economy to say, oh, I'm just having time out. Because we, we, have, we have plenty of ways to have time out without Jesus. We're good at that. Our natural instinct is to go there. But you need to say, God, I'm going to have time out with Jesus. So there's a big, huge gap difference between time out. Because a lot of people are just saying, ah, oh, that's it, no, I'm disappointed, the pastor didn't notice me, they didn't recognize me, didn't have enough fun doing that. And so we just, we just go for the time out. That's not the goal, time out with Jesus. It brings this energy, a, re, a realignment in our life, a, 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 an energizing comes back to us when we, and when we uh, have time in the presence of God. It enables the purpose of God. I want to introduce something right now called primary allegiance. Your primary allegiance must be Jesus. It's, it's I think, one of the most life-liberating things if you want to live your best life. And I think it's something that many people never understand, never give it the right place. So I think if, if you want to live uh, past being bound by what you think others think, a lot of people are bound by what they think others think. Are people talking about me? You know, probably they're not. But, you know, but we, we are bound by these things, no longer bound by what you think others think or being where others want you to be. So often we feel the pressure. Well, I, you know, I really I haven't got time to be there or do that, but I feel the pressure. But you know what? When we, when we have our primary allegiance in the right place to Jesus, then a lot of those pressures, just, they just disappear. They evaporate. They go away. So you want to live your best life. You don't want to be bound by those things. So you can be where Jesus wants you to be and be confident in yourself when you have primary allegiance in the right place. 
There is power in primary allegiance. Jesus said it like this. Matthew 6 verse 24. I've just consolidated this, uh, this scripture. But Jesus says there, you can't serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. And so when we think of, of, of a, our primary allegiance, we've got to make sure our primary allegiance is Jesus. Because otherwise we, we're going to love something else and the call and purpose of God gets second, third, fourth and fifth or twentieth best in our life. So Jesus established the power of primary allegiance so you live your best life. And so often Jesus also said those who hang on to their life will actually lose it and those who give their life away for his sake will actually get it. It's powerful truth that Jesus have. And so often we're living like, Jesus, you just have this corner. You just have that little bit that doesn't impact too much. It doesn't really affect my plans. doesn't affect where I spend my money. Doesn't, it doesn't affect my priorities. And Jesus says, okay, you can have that little corner of the paddock, but I have a whole, a whole station property for you somewhere. And he's saying, don't step on the grass, Jesus. He's saying, I've got a whole mountain of it for you. But Jesus established the power of primary allegiance so that you live your best life. So in 2021, reset your primary allegiance because it will set you free. I want to tell you something. There's a lot of people who've spent lots of, maybe 25, 30 years in church, but they never grew up. They never matured. They never developed. I want to encourage you to develop in 2021 into a mature believer, a strong believer, a living your best life kind of believer. Reset your primary allegiance and it will set you free. It's not, it doesn't bind and constrict and take things off you. It, it releases you to the, to the best that God has for you. So as Christians every day, we face spiritual enemies and we give ourselves the, the spiritual edge when we have the primary allegiance in the right place. We all know many who have fallen along the way. You can just think yourself, if you just would think of people who you've gone to church with, or you've been uh, in fellowship with at various times and places, and you think, well, they're no longer in fellowship. They no longer serve God. They're no longer uh, in, in faith anymore. So there's, there's many in that place. Perhaps, I'm not saying this is the, the, you know, just an idea, maybe, but perhaps people have faced the enemy too casually. And... And we're going into a war zone spiritually and we're going there with our, with our shorts and, and thongs on and a singlet and carrying a can and, and we're walking into this, into this battle zone and we're totally ill-equipped, ill-prepared and defenseless and, and uh, uh, open to attack. So what I can say there is don't be careless, be careful with the things of God. Be careful with the things of God. I'm going to give you some advice from the Apostle Paul when it comes to these things about being careful in the things of God. Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 13. It says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after, all, sorry, then after the battle, you'll, ugh, then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Yeah. Couldn't get that bit out. 
But, but Paul takes great care in, in clarifying the kind of things that we're fighting against, the, the kind of spiritual forces that are there all the time that we are doing battle with. But I want to tell you something. Put on all the armor of God. We're not going to go into all that this morning. But put on all of God's armor so that you stand ready to fight against those things. So that you are fighting with defenses around you, not defenseless. So after the battle, when the smoke is cleared, when the fire's out, you're the one who's still there and the enemy is gone. So the enemy's left and you haven't. You're still standing. I think of that story in the Old Testament where it's Sharma. He stood and fought in the, me- in the middle of a lentil patch or a bean patch. And, and it says he, he stood there and fought until there was no enemies left and his hand was welded to the sword. It, his, his hand was so, um, you know, RSI or whatever had, had got into his hand and he, his hand was stuck to the sword. He fought so long. But you know what? Every enemy was dead and he was the one still standing. He was the one victorious. And I want to tell you something, One Heart Church, we want to be the ones who still stand at the end of the day. You want to be the one who still stands. So it doesn't matter how many times the enemy attacked, how many times you know, things got uh, bombed around you. You just say, that doesn't matter. When the smoke clears, the devil's going to see me standing here. I'm not going to be the one who's leaving the post. I'm going to stand. I'm going to fight again. So the whole thing is we want to fight again. And that's what I intend to do. And in, and in between, I want to enjoy every victory. And I want us to enjoy the victories together as a church. I'll just ask the music to, to come back and join me, please. So this year, there has, God has so much for you. And I want to, I want to say this. Don't, don't miss what should be easy to catch. There's things in God should be easy to catch. And don't miss things that should be easy to catch because you're just sleeping, that you're just careless. I want, I want you to step into things that are, that are meant for you, that God intended for you. And don't miss things that were easy to catch because the presence of God enables the purpose of God. And it's time we give ourselves to that presence to spend with Jesus. So I do that every day. And I encourage you to find ways every day to spend time with Jesus. You might say, oh, well, you know, but my life is so busy. I don't know how I could and all that. Well, you know what? I, I wasn't born a pastor. I spent more years working in secular jobs than I have as in the ministry. And I, I, would, I would get up at 4 a.m. in the morning if I have to, to spend time with Jesus, to take time out. I did, I did it daily. And, and I know it's invested in me and carried me into the purpose and the plans of God because I wanted to invest in what God sees in me, not what I could see in myself. So I want to encourage you, no matter who you are or how busy life is, invest daily, invest weekly, invest monthly, invest annually. But find ways where you say, I'm, I'm taking time out with Jesus. And that, that, that comes with great responsibility. Take time out with Jesus, not just not time out. So time out, with Jesus awakens the prophets. And I really believe that we're going to see an awakening of the prophetic in the church again. And I've got to say, I'll just be honest with you, when I first came here uh, and took on the leadership of this church, there was an unhealthy imbalance of the prophetic. So people would say, oh, the prophet's coming to town. Oh, we've all got to come to church. I remember one day there was a prophet going to Wyala and a big group of people said, oh, we've all got to go to Wyala because we've got to get a word from the prophet. You know, there was an unhealthy unbalance. And, and uh, I, I love the prophetic word that we've got to have it in the, in the healthy place in the right balance in, the light, in our life so that, so that is an enhancement of what God's saying not the only thing that God's saying 
so many people saying, well, that's the only time God talks to me is when, when the prophet comes to town, t- tells me all good things about me, and that's all. That's, that's awesome, but it's not the only time God talks. God wants to talk to you in there every day. In the times that you, that you take to be with Him, He'll talk to you. And then when the prophet comes, you just go, that's exactly what God's already been telling me. Now I know I'm on the right track. Not that's the only thing God's told me in five years. When's the next prophet coming? Time out with Jesus awakens the prophetic. And we want to see the prophetic flow in our church more and more. Time out with Jesus awakens the artist, the worshiper, the songwriter, the, the creative within us. Time out with Jesus awakens the entrepreneur. I said it maybe wrongly, but anyway. Time out with Jesus awakens the visionary to dream dreams. Time out with Jesus is that, that presence awakens a purpose in you. I want to pray a scripture over you this morning. If we could just stand to our feet this morning. It's something the Apostle Paul, it's it's really a prayer. And perhaps you can take this this morning and write these scriptures down and put them somewhere prominent in your life and speak it over yourself. There is such power when we speak the word of God over us. And if I can give you something to take away, find God's word for you. And, and speak it over yourself a lot. I know a word that God spoke to me, and this is not in the first service, but anyway. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19 is a, a, a scripture God gave me as a young man. And I'd messed up. I'd done things that were just basically contrary to the, the call and purpose of God in my life. But I found this verse, Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19, in a Christian pastor said to me, you know, Rob, this is where you're at right now, and spoke God's word into my life, and I hung on to that. And it says, don't, um, it's about forget the past. Leave all that behind. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. There's going to be springs in the desert. I'm thinking, my, my life is the valley of dry bones. I am the dry bones. Things will never change. I'm too stupid. I'm, I'm too stubborn. I'm just, just I, I struggle to hear God's voice. But I had, a, I had a word to hang on to. Forget the past. Let that go. And I, I remind myself of that all the time. Lord, I forget the past. And then in, as time's gone on, then God's given me other key, key scriptures. Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 7. Talks, verse 1 says, you, know, you live a life worthy of your calling because you have been called by God. And the enemy says, you haven't been called. You're not good looking enough. You're not tall enough. You can't sing. You got none of those gifts. And I go, well, this is what this is what God said to me, devil. Ephesians 4 verse 1. I'm living a life worthy of my calling because I've been called by God. And there's 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 a gold mine of scriptures that God has for you that you've got to you just got to claim one at a time. Claim one at a time. And you might have to spend some time with Jesus, alone with Jesus, to claim that one. Jay, God's gonna give you words because your future's way beyond. You gotta live a life worthy of your calling not worthy of what others have thought about you or said about you or what you've even said about yourself. Live a life worthy of the call of God. Base it on the Word of God and you'll you'll do amazing things. Take time out with Jesus and God will will flood your life with revelation from His Word. I want to encourage all of you for that. So I'm going to pray this over you. Why don't we raise our hands and receive something this morning. Ephesians 3 verse 16 is where it comes from. I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit 
And verse 20 says, Now all glory to God, who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Lord, I pray that over every single person here with their hands raised today, that we may receive infinitely more than we could ever ask or even think when we begin to reach out and want to have time out with you. So Lord Jesus, I just pray today over this crowd of people, there is unlimited resource, unlimited potential, unlimited ministry that is going to be outworked. Father, I just pray for Kyle today as a as a, a school uh, pastoral support worker. I just pray over him right now that he may catch something in the spirit that goes beyond the natural, that goes beyond the intellectual, that goes into the spiritual in that school. Lord, I pray around him, and we're going to pray for him this year over and over again, that as he goes into that school, there'll be something of the spirit of God upon him that helps people who who are going to think that who are thinking about, well, I'm going to I'm going to suicide, or I'm going to do something really crazy, I'm going to hurt someone else, or whatever it is. Lord, I pray that Kyle will have something upon him. That, that, that he'll just walk into those situations and people saying, you know what, after talking to you, I've changed my mind. After talking to you, God's actually showed me something. And I pray for salvations to follow after Kyle as he goes into that school in Jesus' name. So Lord Jesus, we receive this prayer. And Lord, we make it our own and we want to believe it. And we want to see what you do in our lives in this year. So Lord, we just commit that to you in Jesus' name. Lord, that it's just not become a word that we forget. But Lord, I pray that we'll write this down, that we'll memorize it, that we'll absorb it into our spirits in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Just take your seats. We honored Amy in the last service and gave her a gift. And she gave me a gift, which is really nice. So you can leave again anytime. But just so you all know here, Amy's leaving to, to go to New Zealand to study, to go to university. And at the same time, though, I think, we do things because there's reasons. But also, Amy, God has a reason for you to be in New Zealand. And, and I don't know if it's coincidence or whether it's God, but I think it's God that there is a church starting in Auckland at the same time she's moving there. We've made contact with them and they've made contact with Amy. And I think the gifts and the things that you've brought to our church is God's going to use you to help that church plant. So I think that's really, really amazing that, that we don't, and she was an intern here. She did her Bible college here. And I think it's really great that we can see a kingdom focus, that it's not just, well, you know, you're blessed if you come in, but if you leave us, then, you know, don't let the door hit you on the way out, as they say. No, we want to say, we, we want to bless and honor people when they go for the right reasons and, and are pursuing the call and purpose of God in their in their life. So Amy's been responsible for a lot of our um, media stuff, our uh, announcements and all that that we see in church, and we honour her for that. And as I said, has been an intern here with us, did, did a year of training, and uh, that's just been a real blessing to us. And now I hope and believe that she'll be a real blessing at Rise Church in Auckland as that starts. So let's just give her a hand today. Just one more thing. We never want to miss an opportunity to allow people to make their lives right with God. There are always two groups of people in church. Those who are going well with God. Those who have walked with God and walked away and want to come back. And those who have never known Jesus and need to start a relationship with Him. So, I want to speak to you today if you've never had a relationship with Jesus and encourage you that it's the best thing you could ever do to know Jesus 
and have him as your Lord and Savior. We're going to have a prayer up on the screen right now. And perhaps you, maybe you've been away from God. You've been estranged from God. You can pray this prayer as well and ask Jesus to reaffirm his, his role in your life. Get the primary allegiance back to Jesus if you need to. We're going to pray this together as a prayer, as a declaration, inviting Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. So we'll just read it together on the count of three. One, two, three. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross and rose again to forgive my sins. I ask that you forgive me. I give you my life and I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. Today, I am born again. I trust my future into your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.